even doing the little things every day. The people who have the slight edge are the people who are the wealthiest. They do the 1% more every day, 1% more effort, the 1% more activities. And that's in every area of your life, by the way. I mean, that's your pursuits, your goals, your physical health, your emotional health. Like the people who have the slight edge are the ones doing the tiniest, but most consistent of actions. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here today, another beautiful day, and we got a great guest. I'm really pleased to welcome Miriam McKissick to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you today. I'm equally excited. It's not every day you get to speak with a real-life ninja. And no, it's it's awesome. I love the fact that you have, for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, I'd love for you to give a little background, but she goes by the handle of multifamily ninja. And I love that because, you know, something that you do and you're passionate about is, you know, the ninja competitions and, you know, physical, I guess, prowess to do something like that is something most people, you know, dream of. But it's awesome that you have that kind of competitive spirit in you. Yeah, thank you. It is a passion of mine. And it wasn't too long ago, I decided to blend, you know, the Instagram handle with my passionate hobby with what I'm really striving to do and building wealth and real estate. And it kind of stuck. I'm actually surprised the handle was available more or less, you know, but yeah, I am working towards being an actual ninja in all of multifamily, but you know, that bar is really high. So I'm striving to get there, (laughs) but for now I'm actually a ninja in real life. (laughs) So, I mean, you're a ninja and a multifamily ninja. So it's cool that the word is kind of synonymous with being an expert, right? And being like yes. the best out there, which is kind of weird because if you go back to the etymology of like what the word actually means, you know, it's like, you know, an Eastern mm-hmm. ma- martial art, really they were like spies and ninjas. And so it's kind of weird how that's kind of taken into our English language as like just an expert. Yeah. I love it though. I love it. I like calling anyone a ninja and something they excel at. Like it's a fun word. <laughs> All right. Well, I might change it to Cossack Ninja. Yeah. Here well, we I mean, yeah, let's give it to you. <laughs> but then I might actually have to start swinging from, you know, poles and ropes and stuff. I don't know. Right. I don't know if I can handle that. But seriously, I'm just curious how you got into like the Ninja Warrior, Warrior, Warrior. It's like my Boston accent coming out there. How did you get into that in the first place before we get into the you know, blending that with the multifamily thing? Yeah, no, I'd love to share. So I got into it actually because of my sister. I come from a family of four girls. We've always been adventurous our whole lives, and we've done a lot of activities together, mind you. We danced, we did performing arts growing up, but then as we became adults and started doing our different things, she got into this sport called Ninja Warrior. She had always been a big fan of the show. Our family in general were never avid watchers of the show, but she's probably the most adventurous of the family, believe it or not. Her name is Charity. She makes a living on Instagram. You can check her out, but... She just was trying to put her hands in anything unique, fun, different. She found a family in Pinellas Park, Florida, who was training the sport of Ninja Warrior in their backyard. They are now the same family that runs a massive gym. They opened a facility in Pinellas Park as well. And I joined that gym once they opened. But the long and the short of it is she got selected to be on the show. So it's an application and you have to get selected by the producers. Not anyone can get on. You just have to be liked enough. You have to have the right set of 
I don't know, criteria at the time that they're looking for. So she got on. It was a big deal. It was in Miami, Florida. We all went to watch her as a family. And I was like, scream my head off. I was so excited. It was such an exhilarating experience. She did very well. She got almost to the very end, which is very good for her first time. And she's been invited to the show almost every year since. I applied with her the following year because I'm like, why am I not doing this? This is so fun. Like we, you know, our dance background, it was really conducive. We just, we dance, but we also combined it with stunt work. So I just yeah. love the physicality of it. And sure enough, later that year, the Jungle Gym that I joined now opened. So I just ran with it from there, stuck, got some coaching, got some training, and I've been hooked ever since. I did get called the following year and got to compete in Atlanta. So that's so cool. Yeah, it's been fun. That is fun. I mean, it's a lot of like gymnastics also. It's just a lot of physical Gymnast strength required. Yes. Upper body is insanely required and you're insanely strong in the upper body for sure. Gymnasts do very well in the sport because of that, but it's not required. In fact, you might be surprised. Like you might think that CrossFitters, for example, could do the sport really well, but it's more of a functional fitness. That's why gymnasts and rock climbers do really well because mm -hmm. they know how to move their body. The body awareness is like right. a paramount to actually succeeding in those sports Whereas like just brute strength doesn't necessarily get you there. So I think some people who are physically look strong and are strong, they get kind of a rude awakening when they try to attempt something like Ninja Warrior because it's just not the same. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. But, I mean, it takes a lot of reflexes and just like you said, the body mm -hmm. awareness to be able to get into that. Very impressive. Very impressive. Indeed. I want to kind of transition to that because you've combined that with multifamily. So let's kind of take a step back and talk about you know, what were you doing before you found the multifamily real estate world and how did you get into it and where are you now? Okay. So I, okay. It was in 2020. All right. 2020 is like, I think going to go down in history as the year that either made you or break you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? People made lots <laughs> but, of changes. That's for sure. Yeah. Just tons of change. And it was actually right before COVID kind of really landed. I got exposed to a gentleman named Jim Baker, who was a wealth guidance expert Think of like Dave Ramsey, but on steroids, he was all about like, yeah. after you graduate from Dave Ramsey, how are you growing your wealth? Like this gentleman, this really did a great job doing this kind of coaching. And I was just so gravitated. I, at the time I am a full-time, I still am a full-time engineer. I work for a telehealth company. We specialize in sleep medicine, but mm -hmm. I've I thought I was going to climb the corporate ladder like everyone else. I mean, I told you I was from a family of four girls. Mm -hmm. We all attempted college and I'm the only one who stayed. <laughs> they all went off to do their own. They're very entrepreneurial. The whole family is. My mom and dad were both self-made entrepreneurs. My dad was a very successful cabinet maker. My mom sold her art and we grew up just with that mentality. But I thought college was going to be like just the way to do things different maybe even make us a little more money because we weren't a wealthy family by any means. We just were really good budgeters. I knew my parents, we never, I never felt like I didn't have a lot. I never felt like I had lack either. It was just kind of like a very safe, but I knew we weren't rich, right? It was right. just one of those things. And I thought college was going to like break me out of that, just being average financially. <laughs> and so I did, I chose engineering discipline because I'm like, engineers make a lot. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they can, at, yeah, they can. But as I quickly learned, there's a glass ceiling on almost every career in the corporate world, which is honestly, it's not the entrepreneurial life and doing something by yourself or on your own is not for everyone. I don't subscribe to that. I feel like there is a place for corporate America for people who just 
get the itch or the bug bites Mm -hmm. them to just, how can I be a better person? Like, I don't know what it is, but some of us are just born with that innate, like desire to get, to have more typically comes when you're a driven person, you're already successful in your W2 because of it. And you just kind of like just searching for the more like, and so that was kind of me, you know, I was basically at probably the seven, eight year mark of my career. And I quickly was realizing, unless I want to be the CEO of my company or in the executive leadership level, I'm not going to make the salary that maybe I'd hoped, but I also knew I would not have the time at all to enjoy the money I was making. So typical story you hear over and over again. Yeah. And And you're really kind of like tied down to it also. I mean, mean, they call it the golden handcuffs for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I was really starting to feel that and kind of like, okay, let's explore some options here. Jim Baker, who has his company is called Wealth with God. And he talked about the three branches to wealth building. One Mm -hmm. was the traditional investing in stocks. One was owning your own business. And then one was investing in real estate. He just kind of put them in those three categories. And out of the three, investing in stocks more in the traditional way, like you put money away consistently over time for 30 years, boom, you're Mm -hmm. retired. So I knew I didn't want to do that one. I wasn't really cut out for the business one. I mean, and he even said, you like either business, you make it like huge or you fail. Like there's not really a middle ground. It's like you either get tons of wealth because something took off and there's a lot of failing and a lot of retrying. I was like, okay, at this point in my life, I don't know if I want to do that. And then real estate makes the most millionaires ever. Like mm-hmm. it is known for making the average person a millionaire. And I was like, okay, let's look at that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a perfect here. Not ashamed to say, I, if there's a shortcut, I'll take it, you know, not that it doesn't take work, but you know what sure. I mean? Like efficiencies. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to dust here for crying out loud. Like <laughs> performance improvement is like my jam. So how can we do this bigger and better? So that was That's it. Awesome. I was like, I'm going to focus on real estate. Then he put me in touch with some coaches who focused on real estate. They were single family and they're based out of Sarasota, Florida. And within, I was doing that thing. I thought going to get single family homes and building mm-hmm. that portfolio was going to be the way I did this thing. And then someone in that group said, here's a book list. We're just networking, right? Learning. And she's like, here's a book list I'm reading. You might like this one on multifamily real estate. It's just this aspect of real estate that's kind of uncommon, but like super scalable. And I was like, sure, whatever, I'll read it. It was Michael Blank's book and it's old. It's actually kind of older now, but it has a very generic sure. name. It's called Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. Yeah. And then the subtitles like the blueprint to quit your job without experience or cash. And I was like, okay, I read that. I am not a reader. I read that book in like 48 hours. I was like, I just cover to cover. I'm like, this is, I ate it up. I loved it. I was like, this is so, so good. And I kind of never looked back from then. I realized that I kind of needed to shift focus out of single family and to get in this multifamily space. Mm-hmm. And then I looked for coaching in that arena. Awesome. Wow. So it really, I mean, was an incredible kind of organic progression mm-hmm. of finding multifamily and from the, just the willingness. And I think what it comes down to, as you mentioned, is that really desire for more and drive for becoming a better person overall, kind of more well-rounded, not just, okay, I'm in this lane mm-hmm. of my career and that's it, but doing other things as well. And one thing that I've found in the real estate world is there are a lot of people with that, you know, kind of self, you know, personal growth and self, you know, propelled mindset of people that are really, you know, want to make better lives for themselves and the world. So I think it's great. Yeah. The impact piece is huge. And Jim, you know, through the wealth of God coaching, I immediately knew that I wanted to make impact too. Like 
yes, wealth is more than just money. It's making an impact. So that kind of fulfilled the desire to make change, right? And let's just face it. The people who have money in this world are the ones making changes. The people with money are doing good and bad, right? It's kind of like what, how the world turns and you kind of have to get over the fact that money is not all evil. In fact, the more of us who have it with good intentions, the better this world is going to be. And so so I just, that really resonated with me and multifamily was going to be my ticket to get there the fastest. And so I've been laser focused ever since. Well, good for you. And you know, how, How's that taken off? I know having a coach and having a great network is something that a lot of people talk about in terms of allowing them to make that accelerated growth. Is that something yeah. you've done? I, I know that you're in the Tampa Bay area. I just want to preface with this or anyone who's going to jump off the podcast for whatever reason, I can't imagine why, because this is like extremely entertaining and you have such great <laughs> energy. But if anyone is in the Tampa Bay area, right, Miriam, you host a meetup for real estate investors. And we're going to post a, a link to that in the show notes. But how have you grown you know, through your network, through coaches, your own personal portfolio or, or your goals to get to where you want to go? Yeah, no. Coaching, mentorship, it is the lifeblood of getting me to where I am. And I will forever be an addicted learner as I level up in my entrepreneurial journey and like my multifamily investing. Like when I feel like I've graduated, I'm looking for who's doing it, who's 10 years ahead of me, who's 10 years mm-hmm. ahead of me. I did coaching groups for the first couple rounds because there's a low barrier to entry cost-wise. And sure. you know, there isn't some incredible groups out there. Like if you take advantage of what they're giving you and you study and you put it in the work, you're gonna get a ton of value. But at this point in my career, I am looking more for that mentorship, like the one-on-one who is doing what I want to do and is at least five years ahead of me. But yes, coaching was essential and it still is. I actually met my, in Tampa Bay's, I've born and raised here, by the way, I have never lived anywhere else. I love to travel, but this is home. Oh wow! And I wanted to build my network here because I want to invest here. And Mm -hmm. I know this is a flaming hot market. You know, it's one of the top three in the nation, you know, I think between Florida and Texas, we fight for that first position as being the hottest real estate market. But there are just so many gems here in Florida still. And I just, I've grown up in this area. I'm on the Tampa Bay area. So that's for those of you who may not know, there's like a peninsula within the Mm -hmm. peninsula. I'm on that little west side of the state, right in the middle. And I love here. I love it here. The water is like my jam, the sun, the warmth. But even on the outskirts of the city and everything, it's just beautiful. So I just knew I wanted to connect with people who lived here. I actually, in my first coaching group, I intentionally sought out people who were here. I'm like, who's in Florida? I want to meet you. Let's get together. And I found at least three people who were within 30 minutes of me. And they are my good friends to this day. Like we are connected. And in fact, two of the guys that I met in the group, Chris and Sean, they kind of co-lead that meetup with me that happens every month. And it's been so fun to do that with them. They are amazing investors themselves buying in Lakeland and Newport Ritchie and all over the place. They both quit their jobs doing this full time. So it's just been really awesome to watch them grow. And I also connected with one of my accountability partners, Anna, and we talk weekly. She's got an amazing background in property management and actually is trying to own her own buildings too. So we're just been partnering up and like seeing how things go. But yes, I love Florida and I'm really focusing on building my network here the most because that's what I care about. But yeah, Ooh. that's gotten me to where I'm at today. The meetup has been a huge kind of like a credibility slash exposure right. mechanism for me. And I was really nervous to do that. But it's really like we we average between 35 and 50 people every month. So, so there's cool. clearly a demand for it and it's working. So I love it. Absolutely. It's an amazing 
think to have a, an in-person meetup when we're doing COVID, you know, have this virtual meetups that we're doing. And I'm still doing that. I actually have one in uh, about an hour from now. But doing it in person, there's there's really nothing that compares to that, especially you're building a local community and being boots on the ground really in a market like Tampa Bay that is just growing, continuing to grow, continuing to expand. And like you said, one of the hottest markets in the country, you have a great advantage, you know, when it comes to real estate, especially multifamily, having teams or having partners is one of the most important aspects of the entire business. And having someone who's local boots on the ground, as we call it, is a huge advantage. So I mean, good for you for for being there. Have you actually you know, I know you've invested passively, you've owned some smaller multifamily units. Like what's the goal in terms of obviously a multifamily ninja is to be the ninja, right? <laughs> Conquering the world with this. I but <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly you're still working full time. I obviously that I assume the goal is to stop at a certain point once you have a little bit more of a runway. So tell us a little more about, about that. Okay. So I have been on this journey because as the listeners may know, if you already know about multifamily, that it's a team sport. And you often have to identify what your superpower is. What are you really good at? What do you bring to the team? Because mm-hmm. you can't take these assets down by yourself. Right. And you also can't do it all by yourself. So what are you going to bring? I have been on this journey trying to figure out what that is for me because, and if I take any personality test, for example, they all come out the same. I'm almost like this even keeled. I'm a little good at everything kind of like result. That's kind of what's happened in real estate for me. I can underwrite, but I don't love it but I can definitely understand it. I can definitely do the tool. Like I can do it. There's asset management. I actually understand all of that. And I've done, I've dabbled in what that feels and looks like. And then there's capital raising. And then there's, you know, like the acquisitions part, like bringing a deal from underwriting all the way to the closing table. Like I've been exposed to it all. And I think it's mainly the meetup too has really helped me realize this. But when you're trying to figure this out for yourself, mm-hmm. I heard this really, these really wise words once. And it was, what do people say when they talk about you? What do they think of when they think of you? What are the words that come out? And very quickly, I was learning that I was a magnetic person. I am very outgoing. I've been called the queen, the mayor of Tampa before because I just know everybody. Like I just have connections. And so through some really great friends and advice and some mentorship, I've kind of chosen my lane in the capital raising space more officially because it's kind of happening without me trying. It's Mm -hmm. people are coming to me asking about my experience and how do I do this thing? I want to do what you're doing. And I love helping people like it does. It it makes me come alive. So I'm just paying attention to that. And I'm going to really focus in that lane this year and see where it takes me because I think that's just a natural thing that's happening. So I need to need to run with it. For sure. And I mean, it comes across entirely. Like you're absolutely right. It, it does. And the personality you have for it and the passion to teach and tell people, that's really probably the most important skill to have when it comes to capital raising, because essentially you're helping expose other people to great investment opportunities to help them grow their, you know, their wealth and their retirement. Yeah. And when you see someone who is so passionate about something, I think the word you use is magnetic. You're drawn to that type of person. And you know, give you a lot of credit for that because even though it's a natural thing, being able to know what that is and then learn how to hone that and utilize that for the right 
purpose, I think is going to take you very far. Thank you. Thank you. And I, it feels very fulfilling to kind of focus in this area. I I felt kind of like I was wandering for a little bit, but I'm going to really focus in 2023 on that and see where it goes. But yeah, I mean, as of now, you had asked about what I currently own and have. I am an active partner in an awesome little nine unit in Bradenton, Florida, which is also a beautiful area. I'm, I'm actually in partnership with one of the people I met with one of my coaching groups on that deal. I've been learning a ton about what it takes to run a building, right? I'm glad it's with nine units and not 90. You know what I'm saying? Because sure. <laughs> the mistakes we make on this building, we can actually like financially handle them, you know, within the partnership versus like, God forbid, it was like millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like it's a lot more stress. Sure. Now, granted, if you've got the right people on the team, you know, don't be scared of the big problems, right? People who solve big problems make big money. So that there's a correlation there. I'm just saying, I'm kind of really glad that I got to do this with nine units with a few partners, because mm-hmm. that's actually what helped me figure out what I'm good at. It helped me figure out how I actually do contribute to the team. And that was essential for me. Not to mention when you work full time, it's kind of great to have like a smaller deal on the side to yeah. feel very manageable. So I'm actively invested in that. I have a very lucrative single family home that we kept. It was actually my husband, Josh, and I, our first home. We kept that. We bought in 2012. So you can imagine how cheap it was. Yeah, right. And so it's doubled in equity since we've owned it. It's making amazing cash flow every month. So we're going to keep that forever. And then the past investment portfolio is pretty massive. I'm probably collectively in four different deals. And that probably comprises well above 500 units. And that's through a self-directed IRA, which if you want to learn more about that, just talk with me later. But it's basically a vehicle to redirect your 401k funds into a self-directed vehicle. You can denote where that goes. I call it my play money. (laughs) I love just like growing my wealth on my own terms. And Mm -hmm. I feel like multifamily real estate is one of the single best ways to do it. Yeah, that's an awesome way to do it. And with those four investors, are they with different operators or with the same operators? Two of them, same operators, different portfolios, actually like small to mid-sized multifamily with all across the Florida region. They call it the golden triangle. It's Orlando, Tampa, and Gainesville. So any they okay. invest anywhere within that triangle. These operators are amazing too. I've actually spent a lot of time with them. They opened up their arms to me and let me walk properties with them. It's been an amazing experience. I'm in two portfolios with them. And then one's in Texas, San Antonio with the all women's group, which I also love. And then actually one is a, it's actually a promissory note type of deal, a a much smaller dollar amount, but that's with someone locally here in Tampa again, because I just want to be helping people who want to be a lender too. So just kind of being playing with that space too. So that's kind of like what my current portfolio looks like. That's great. And it's, you know, a little more diversification is great. I I think it really exposes you to different elements. And the fact that you're able as a passive investor, as a limited partner to walk properties with the owners, you learn so much, especially from people who are, like you said, you know, a few years ahead of you at Mm -hmm. the very least. That's huge. That's awesome. And again, it just really goes to the fact that you're local. You are investing locally. You are, you know, being able to partner with people in deals locally. And, yeah. you know, as we're speaking this, you know, I'm thinking of the people that I know that that own and invest in Tampa, you know, I would love to kind of give you some exposure to them because there is so much, I mean, when you have that advantage of a local market and being there, especially in a growing place like that and having a meetup, people will come in, you can bring in a guest speaker, someone like I have a, a guy who's, you know, they've invested in over oh, close to $2 billion in the past like, five years. Wow. Um, which is crazy. But, you know, Tampa is one of the markets that they've heavily invested in. And I'm like, this is a guy that you know, I would love to, if he comes to town, you know, have like as a guest speaker, 
Oh my God. It really would be, you know, that would be awesome. Me up. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Well, awesome. Miriam, I want to transition on now what we call the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. First one for you is, and I really, I can't believe the time's already flown by as much as it has. <laughs> this is just like, but you know, we have to end the show sometime. So what is the worst job that you ever had? Oh, this one has got to be, I was in high school and I was just picking up any odd end job that I could. I worked at a dry cleaners in the back room and that was rough guys. That was really rough. I mainly just felt kind of unsafe back there. <laughs> it was just kind of like a mom and pop shop. So anyways, that yeah. was my first job, but it did motivate me to do better and to like, you know, I don't have to just take the lowest of the low job if I put my mind to it. So that kind of like got me out of this headspace of like, I don't have to stay here. You know, when you push the pain, you yeah. know, you can kind of force your mind to like, think about different opportunities. If, you know, it doesn't take much. You're so. right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like a a, a great job to have, but like you said, it <laughs> It teaches you. And at a young age, I think most of the people yeah. on the show, what I found is that this question, we've you know had over 300 guests already, have answered this question. I think the vast majority of people that was one of the first, if not the first job that they had in high school or, you know, or out of yeah. college or something like that. And because it, you know, it teaches you really early on what you don't want to do. And then you kind of reposition yourself. Absolutely. Believe in it wholeheartedly. Like when I start having kids, I mean, I'm going to listen, let's get down and dirty. Let's start from the bottom and see what, because even in that like refiner's fire, if you will, you kind of discover what your kid's good at too. And nothing's ever long-term. So it's a good experience. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to work in the dragon leader forever in the background. No, right? no. <laughs> Okay. Second question. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Well, I already kind of gave you a sneak peek into the last one. It was Michael right. Blank's book that got me on the journey. However, I'm going to add one to the list. The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Have you heard of that one? We have. Yeah, definitely. Heard yeah. Of it. I. So basically the premise is just even doing the little things every day. The people who have the slight edge are the people who are the wealthiest. They do the 1% more every day, mm. like the 1% more effort, the 1% more activities. And that's in every area of your life, by the way. I mean, that's your pursuits, your goals, your physical health, your emotional health. Like the people who have the slight edge are the ones doing the tiniest, but most consistent of actions. And that book has just like, whenever I'm having a rough day, <laughs> I think of that book, like that book always comes to the front of my mind. Like, wow, I just, all I have to do today is the slight edge. What is the slight edge for me today? And that is make, you know, put in an email into my list, you know, or like, put it something on my calendar as a to-do that I want to accomplish next week because I know I'm keep putting it off. Like just document something like it, right. it can be so small, but it's like waking up when you say you're going to wake up, like it doesn't matter. Just pick something and do it. And it's the smallest of things. The other part of that book that always is like, kind of like, I don't know, sticks in my mind is it's easy to do. It's easy not to do. Yeah. So whenever you're in a juncture or a crossroads where it feels like that, that's your sign. That's the slight edge. You need to choose to do it because it's just as easy not to do it. But that's the one thing that's going to push you miles forward in the long run. So. For sure. Maybe easier not to do in many cases. Yeah. Uh, you know, just not doing anything is is easier in general, right? Just being <laughs> passive and not doing anything. Yeah. But oftentimes that's a sign that if something inside of you, in your conscience or whatever you want to call it, is, is telling you that you should do something when you know you're supposed to, and then something else inside you saying, no, don't do that. You know, you know that struggle is there. It's probably a good idea to do it. Exactly. Third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Well, this was a tough question for me, okay? I've been like thinking the whole interview about it. Really? <laughs> yes. It might be that that one move on the ninja course, you know, that, that you're oh, uh, struggling with. Oh, okay. Well, listen, 
I'm a musician too. I grew up playing music. So like I can sing and I can play instruments and that is a very fulfilling part of my life. And I love that. I Ninja is incredible. Believe me, there are levels to the physicality of that sport that I have yet to reach. But I have to say like the one thing that I would really like to do is know another language. I'm not a bilingual and I get so envious of people who can speak more than one language. And so I think if I know enough Spanish to like be dangerous, <laughs> but like, I would love to just be fluent in something. I think that would be incredible. So maybe that I put it on the bucket list and get that done, but get it done. Do it. That's you gotta <laughs> do it. Yeah. I mean, it's actually really interesting. Another extremely common answer to this question is learning a new language. So Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think it really does speak to the power of that. It's something that really makes your your mind grow in a lot of different ways also because you start to think in a different language and it really yeah. it kind of triggers that. So, yeah, well, you know, you can do it. I think probably as soon as you're able to get out of the golden handcuffs of the W2, <laughs> you'll, you know, take a few months off in yeah. Central America or South America or something and get it that done. That sounds great. And I'll credit your podcast interview for, you know, accomplishing that goal. <laughs> well, we'll have to check back in a few years and see, uh, hopefully sooner, see where that goes. Okay. Fourth and final question is what does success mean to you? Oh, so I already hinted at this too, but man, it is more money, more impact. And that is my driving force every day. It honestly is what keeps me going. I get so fueled by the fact that the more I can push myself to get uncomfortable, to do things that scare me the faster I'm going to be able to help people that come across my path. I mm -hmm. want to be able to not ask permission from my bank account to help someone yeah, and, or to help an organization, you know, like it really motivates me big time. So that's my version of success. And I also have recently learned that it's not necessarily a dollar amount that I want to arrive to define my success. It's actually learning to enjoy the journey of each milestone achieved. And mm -hmm. I think that's why the most wealthiest in our country, like, if you hear interviews of those people, like they never stop. That's why when they've achieved, you know, the multi-million dollar net worth, they're like, how do I get to the multi-billion dollar net worth? Because it's just, yeah. they're that driven. It's just a mindset. And so it's not for selfish reasons. Most often, I, not everyone's perfect, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, the people who are doing this for the right reasons, it's because they just keep growing, keep expanding. The human capability is sometimes beyond our mental like fortitude. Totally. Like sometimes we can't even grasp what's possible. And that to me is just so exciting. Like it doesn't have to stop once you've hit the one milestone you thought was going to take forever to hit. You know, I mean, most, as you know, in this industry in multifamily, because of the scalability, it's all the real estate. It's all the same, but just with more zeros. Right? right. And so what happens with a lot of people who get into this and I'm experiencing it now, like you get to your milestones a lot quicker than you thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so and you just keep moving that goal. Post. Keep moving. Yeah. You keep doing more and more and more, more and more impact. So. Awesome. I love that. This is very, very similar to the answer I gave my myself when I was interviewed and asked this question for this podcast. So I awesome. appreciate that. Love that. Really enjoyed having you on the show today. Thanks so much for coming down. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Okay. So my most active social media is going to be Instagram and my handle is multifamily underscore ninja or Miriam McKissick. My name will also have you find me, but you can reach out to me on there. I have a website, multifamily-ninja.com and Facebook. I'm on there as well. LinkedIn, you can message me like Hit me up on all the channels, whichever one you're most comfortable with. I'd love to connect with you, see how I can help you on your journey or connect or partner even like just let me know. Yeah. I'd be happy to help. There you go. And if you are in the Tampa Bay area, we'll put a link to the monthly meetup down there. So you guys check it out. 
That'd be awesome. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Well, thanks for joining. This has been awesome. And to our listeners, thank you guys, because we couldn't do this without you. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.